Today is Saturday, April 3rd, the day after the good and terrible Friday, the day before the beautiful Sunday morning. It is the Saturday of defeat, where it appears death has won and hope has lost. My name is Laura Buffington, and this is the ninth episode of Blues for Lent. Hold me now, oh, hold me now, till this The Gospel writers tell us, after it's clear that Jesus has taken his last breath, after the spear has gone through his side and he has no more words to say, Joseph of Arimathea arranges for his burial. Joseph is a member of the council, the same one who called for the death of Jesus. The Gospel writers let us know that Joseph did not agree with his decision, that he had a faith in Jesus, that he believed in what Jesus was teaching about the true power of letting go of power. But they don't tell us how public Joseph's objection was or whether he kept it a secret. John adds Nicodemus to this story, maybe because he's the only one who introduces Nicodemus to the whole narrative. Nicodemus also seems to be a secret follower of Jesus. After all, he would only come to him in the middle of the night to ask him all his haunting questions about what life was about and how long it would last. They are going about the business of death. Luke makes sure we know that the women are there too. The same women who refused to take their eyes off Jesus, even when it was hard to watch. The women who stood by faithfully, so that he had some beloved faces in the cruel crowd watching him take those last breaths. They are wrapping his body, covering him with spices and ointments all designed to take away some of the awful aftermath of a once-live body now lifeless. This is not an act of hope. This is an admission of defeat. They are not trying to postpone his burial just in case. They don't seem to be thinking of his words of restoring this temple or life somehow being eternal. They are preparing his body for a future in the grave. We fought for justice and not forget, but the magistrate sent me away. Now kings will roll and the poor will talk and tell. It's hard to know what this moment may have sounded like. Maybe they went through the motions wordlessly. Maybe they tried to talk, but they couldn't. Maybe they were doing what we do when we lose people we love, retelling our favorite stories and laughing through tears at the person's greatest hits. If I could give them a soundtrack for the moment, I would pull out my Nina Simone Sings the Blues album and I would set the needle on My Man's Gone Now. 
It has this slow, soft start. Just Nina's voice and her hands on the piano. Her voice gets sadder, but somehow stronger, as the song goes on in this crescendo of grief. Old man's sorrow mountain all the way with me. Tell me that I'm old now, since I lose my man. She somehow sings in a way that sounds like weeping. After achieving peak sadness, Nina and her piano quiet back down and they return to the opening sound as if she hasn't just revealed her broken soul. The song has a complicated past. It's from the opera Porgy and Bess, a musical written by two white men about the lives of black folks in a fictional southern town. The song happens in a moment when the character Serena is preparing to bury her lover who's been murdered, but she has to wait because she can't afford the often costly business of death. Of course, Nina's own life is complicated too. She longed for the life of a classical musician, but she faced racism and rejection at every turn. It started early. There's a story of her performing for a recital when she was young and her Parents were asked to move to the back of the theater. In all their pride, they got turned away. She struggled through her whole career with the expectations of other people and the effects on her own mental health of that kind of treatment. She records this song at the end of a long day, in the middle of a long life. The producer, Danny Davis, made this clear in the liner notes of the recording He said she was physically and mentally exhausted when she sang it. But he says that somehow she summoned the stamina to deliver with even more intensity and spirit, a rare, perfect performance that could not be improved. My man's gone now There's just something about sadness set to music that can get us through the days when defeat feels louder than everything else. I was once in a crowd of people listening to my favorite artist, Josh Ritter, and in the middle of his song, Change of Time, he stepped off mic and he just started singing this refrain. Rough seas, rough seas, they carry me wherever I go. And as he sang, the whole crowd sang along, because they knew it was true. It's a truth none of us want to know. The defeat is sometimes the only way forward. In her most vulnerable moment, Nina sang the sweetest, strongest song. In the moment of their greatest sorrow, Joseph and Nicodemus were finally bold enough to show affection and faithfulness to the one they had learned to love. Defeat has a way of revealing us. 
We have choices to make in those moments when all feels lost. This would have been the perfect time for Joseph and Nicodemus to follow Pilate's lead and to wash their hands of Jesus. They could have walked away, saved face, joined with the crowd who said Jesus was a fraud and a misguided teacher who wasn't stronger than any mob or any swords. We wouldn't blame them for that. But there's something about this detail of Jesus' burial that reveals just how powerful his presence had been in people's lives. That even in this moment when doubt and defeat could win the day, they showed up anyway. The business of death is complicated and difficult. I buried both my parents this year. My father died from lung disease July 1st. My mother died just 37 days later from Alzheimer's complications. And as their only surviving child, the business of their death fell on me. I planned the services, I made decisions about their bodies, and I settled their estate. And one of the hardest things to do was to go and arrange for their gravestone. It was such a strange thing to check off the list because all I had to do was just make sure the information was right. Their name spelled right, the dates right. The salesman didn't ask me anything about their lives or their deaths. We just went over the details and we signed the papers. I left feeling as defeated as I'd felt through the whole grieving process. These people I loved were just etchings on a stone to this man. He didn't know that my dad loved 50s music and he worked three jobs to support his family. He didn't know that my mom was an artist and she always sang the wrong lyrics to songs. He didn't wonder at all how it was that my parents had buried two children and somehow kept going after that. I think about how I felt that day, how much I wanted the world to know these people I loved, and how lost I felt tending to their burial. And I think I catch just a glimpse of how they felt tending to the business of Jesus' death. They were not just burying an idea. They were burying someone they loved. My man's gone now, and I feel old, Nina sang. Our man is gone now, Joseph and Nicodemus and the women sang. And all that's left to do for now is to show up and say a proper goodbye. Journeying together with me